This is Speaking of Sports, a weekly podcast where we give you our take on sports' biggest stories and news. I'm your host, Ray Scipione, along with Coach Al Harris, Chad the Whiz Kid Grimley, and the Godfather, Chuck Grimley. Speaking of Sports is sponsored by Grimley Financial and produced by WildfirePodcast.com. All right, we are back. Yeah, so we got a great show here today that we're going to be having. We got a special guest, Larry Bowie. He's coming on in a little bit here, probably in a couple minutes he'll be calling in. But before we do that, there's there's still a lot going on in, in the sports world this week. Maybe we can do a real quick Philly 5 here before he calls. I don't know if, you, uh, if you've seen it yet. Have you seen the news with, uh, with Jeff Lurie, the Eagles, and his son maybe taking over? What are your thoughts on that? Well, my thoughts are that uh, he was born into that, and I hope he listens and pays attention with Howie Roseman and, and that whole connection there or whatever, but uh, supposedly he's a bright young man, but that's a big job to throw on yeah. someone, and uh, hopefully by the time he's ready, it won't be pushed up too much, and the Eagles will be a lot more established uh, in a lot of ways. It's it's crazy for me to envision this. I mean, Julian Lurie is born in 1995. He is 27 years old. He's we are me and him are born in the same year. I'm December of 95, and we're talking about this guy taking over the Eagles. I mean, this this isn't like some small business here. This is the Philadelphia Eagles, one of the most well-known, long-standing, popular. NFL teams ever and and here he is you know I don't know what the timeline they're looking at here but yeah what you're saying apparently he's been with the Eagles a while now and it's going to be a good fit he's going to take it over I guess the question is how involved is he going to be is he going to be you know in the day-to-days maybe trying to push too much take over too much with that power or is he going to be a little more passive initially learn from all the talent around him like Howie you know Sirianni and just kind of ease into this role whenever it does happen because that's been all the talk of the Eagles this past couple of days has been talking about Julian there and honestly before today or before this week I didn't even know who he was I never really heard of him I mean no idea that this guy was even even a player with the Eagles or not a player but you know someone in the Eagles organization well I figured his age dad he's probably Chad he's an analytics type guy so and like I said before, if he could just learn, and I think he's going to have to earn his respect, even though you're the owner's son and this and that type of thing. You, everybody knows you're eventually going to wind up in these positions. You still have to earn the respect of the people working underneath you and all the players. Absolutely. Well, hey, good luck to him. I hope he does it, and uh, you know it'll be interesting, interesting to follow for sure. Uh, there's a lot more going on with the Eagles that we're naturally concerned about once the season gets started, and who knows when this is going to happen. But you now over to the, the Sixers. Let's just call it an NBA. NBA, really, because you know the Sixers right, right now, obviously, it's all the NBA Finals. I mean, that, that game won yesterday of Celtics, Warriors. The Warriors have, what, double-digit lead, I think, at the end of the third quarter. And then the Celtics just do the impossible in the fourth quarter, just completely steal that game, that game one, and maybe the series from that game. Yeah, last quarter they hit the 9 out of 11, I think it was, threes, and went on a 17-0 run and uh, just turned the complexion of the game, and the crowd got real quiet. And uh, I think it was a shock to probably 99% of people watching the game, never mind uh, the opposing team. And, and a night, when you find out that they win like that and – a couple of their star players didn't have very good games. I mean, but Al Horford looked like a young Al Horford. He looks like he's in great, fantastic shape. He's not the player that we have because he has a whole different position and responsibility with the Celtics. But uh, with, with Tatum going three for 18, I believe it was, there's no way in the world you figure the Celtics have no. a shot to win. No, I mean, I, and I want to maybe joke around with Bo with this, but if we said before the game that Tatum was going to have 12 points, is there any chance the Warriors, I mean, uh, the Celtics win this game? You, everyone probably say no. And then we, we add on to that. All right, Curry's going to have 34. That sounds like a great game by Curry. And and the Celtics come out here, and they win by 12. I mean, on, on the road to start the NBA Finals. I think the betting lines right away hearing that would have said, if they do that the earlier, 
it would have been all yeah, right? the money on the war. Right? I, I don't know what the Vegas odds would be. If we said that on the road, Game 1 NBA Finals with the Warriors rested, Tatum's going to have 12 points. What are the odds the Celtics <laughs> win that game or win by double digits? I mean, it's got to yeah. be 99% yep, you're right. chance that they fail. At least. At least, right? I mean, I can't recall ever seeing this. I mean, now, it's going to be a really great NBA Finals. In my opinion... Uh, I said last week that I thought that it was going to be Warriors easy, whoever they played, whether it was the Heat or the Celtics. And, well, clearly that's not the case. This is, it's, I mean, it's going to, we, I thought it was going to go at least six. Now I think if the Warriors win at all, it's going to be in seven. I, I really think we'll have to go to game seven here for the, for the Warriors because this is, this is a devastating loss. I mean, you, you can't lose this game in the NBA Finals. You can't be up that much going into the fourth quarter on your home court rest it up and then lose that that's going to be a really really tough one tough for them to bounce back but they have the experience they've been there before and they have a bunch of leaders around their team to help them help them for sure all right looking at the flyers a bit here we don't have jim the producer today don't to kind of walk us through there but we have you coach al and you know a lot about the flyers anything going on this week is there any head coach update anything we should be no nothing. following here same two names so tortorella does he want it and uh it's going to be it's also it's like a lot of other sports. It's the good old boys seem to get rotated all the time. You don't have any new blood, and they tried it a few years ago with Dave Haskell, and everybody said, "Who? Haskell? Oh, don't you mean Hexall? No, no, we have a new coach, Dave Haskell, and a, a great uh, college career and so forth. But uh, big jump to the pros, and, and guys are making all that money and so forth, and you have to and you have to have enough talent too. I don't care how great a coach you are. For sure. All right, let's. Let, all right, that's enough for the Flyers. Then we'll jump. <laughs> we'll get into them more once as the as that off season progresses a bit. Well, now Flyers is definitely the off season now. Okay, well, guys, we got a special guest on the line here today. We have Larry Boa calling in. Bo, how are you today? Good morning. How are you? Morning, Larry. Good morning. We got it's uh, Chad here, and we got Coach Al all with us as well. How's everything going? Everything's okay. Everything's going good. Good, good. good. How was that golf outing yesterday? It looked like a nice day. Yeah, it was. It was a good day. Yep. You know, Richie Ashburn and the Harry Callis Foundation, so it worked good. Oh, that's awesome. And all the rain, thunderstorm, did that hold off for you guys? Yeah, we didn't get too much rain. We got a little sprinkle towards the end, but it, other than that, it was uh, it was okay. It was pretty nice. Hey, Bo, I saw on the late news Charlie Manuel taking a swing. I didn't see any of your swings. Was that? Uh... Oh, yeah, I was taking them. Yeah, I was okay. taking them. They just didn't have them on the late news, I guess. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Bo, just to dive in here, before we get to the Phillies, did you watch any of that just insane NBA Finals game yesterday, by chance? I did. I saw uh, Boston wasn't – that fourth quarter, they were both exchanging baskets, man. It was unbelievable. Can you believe that? I mean, we were just talking about this before you, before you called in. If we told you that Tatum was going to put up 12 points – on the road here in Game One, and the Celtics were gonna gonna win by twelve. I mean, what what would the Vegas odds be on that ninety nine percent chance that they fail? Like at least. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean and then Hor- Horford, man, he went off too. So mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was it. This gonna be a good series, I think. Ab- absolutely, yeah. We personally think it's gonna go seven. I last week said it was gonna be the Warriors, uh, but uh, look, the Celtics are. Uh, they're they're really I said pulling it out here. Long, about a month ago, I watched them play. I, I thought that. But again, I don't know because the Golden State when they get hot, man, they're 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 crazy too. So, oh yeah, well, Larry, I have to bring it up when we had our full contingent of guys here last week. Everybody said the Warriors, except one older gentleman you're speaking to mm-hmm. right now. So, <laughs> great old minds think alike. <laughs> yeah. It'll be fun to watch anyway. Uh, absolutely, there's almost like a feeling of irony with. I mean, if the Celtics win this series, let's assume they do for a second. That's going to be back-to-back years that former Sixers win the title. Last year we had Drew Holiday, um, you know, who yep. won, and and this year would be Al Horford, who was with the Sixers, you know, only what two years ago, I think, at this point. And, right. Um, right. So just you know, feels feels a little weird there, but hopefully the Sixers they, they have a lot to you know to work on it in the off season for sure. And uh, hopefully, hopefully they can make it a little a little further this time next year. But yeah, right. that'd be nice. Yeah, absolutely. So, so moving on to the Phillies and the, this, right. this this team, we're we're about thirty percent into the season, and I they've they're probably one of the most surprising teams in baseball right now. I, I don't think anyone had them at twenty two and twenty nine at this point, twelve games behind the Mets. 
And when you look at how they're performing, there's a couple areas that, that really jump out. I mean, defensively, we, we knew this team was, was going to maybe not be the best defensively going into the season. Some of the guys they brought on, like Schwarber, the Castellanos, they came in with a history of not great defense, but no one really expected this. I mean, we are seeing decisions daily where balls are going through people's legs, pitchers are not covering, the fly balls with no communication. And what else are you seeing out there, and what needs to be done to turn this around? Well, I think when we left spring training, we knew we weren't going to be a, a, a great defensive team. But we also expected guys to make routine plays. And I think that's where we're getting hung up here. Uh, we're not executing on routine plays. I mean, we, uh, you know, I don't think you can teach range, especially in the infield and that. Uh, but you can teach consistent plays. And, and to me, when you make mistakes like that, like two guys calling the same play in the outfield or missing the cutoff, man, these are mental mistakes for me. That means you're not concentrating and doing what you're supposed to do. Because this team is very talented, I think. I mean, we know there's there's shortcomings, but we also know that when they hit on all cylinders, which they haven't done offensively, you know, you get three or four guys that get hot together, that changes the whole dynamic of your offense. And we haven't had that. We've had one or two stay hot and the other two go cold. Or We just need to play consistent baseball, which we are not doing. And, you know, one day we'll get hitting. No pitching. Then we'll get good starting pitching, bad bullpen. Then we'll get good bullpen. So to me, it's just a matter of being consistent. And and I think the mentality of the team should be: don't don't look where you are in the standings. Try to win every series. Play one game at a time. Uh, you know the Mets are on a big time road trip now, and I know they got a big lead, but you, you, we've seen baseball. You know, you go on a six seven game losing streak, and the other team wins five out of six. I mean, you cut that deficit really quick. So I think the mentality should be let's let's try to uh, let's try to pick up and, uh, and and win each series as we go along here. Yeah, and and on that note, we, I like what you said there about not looking, you know, at the standings, not looking at you know how many games back. Is that something that you know you? I mean, that's 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 a very experienced you know mindset there. Not not maybe as easy for someone in you know a player in their twenties. Is that something that you guys have to remind the players, or, or what's the mentality like for the players yeah, there? Are they I, worried about that? Well, I think you get caught up in that, especially, and again, I'm not saying it's early, but it, it, there's still a lot of baseball left. So you have to look at the big picture here. You're not When you win two in a row, you're not going to cut the deficit from 12 to two. You, that's why it's important to win series. You know, if you lose the first game of a three-game series, the, the, the mentality should be we got to win these next two. If we can have that mentality, I think we can get back in this thing. Now, to win the division, I mean, the Mets, the thing that scares me about the Mets, they got three starting pitchers on the mm-hmm. IL, and they're all coming back, whether it's the end of this month or early July. And that's sort of scary because all three of those pitchers are pretty good. Yeah. But in the meantime, we can we can start thinking, uh, let's start winning series. Don't worry about where we are in the standings, whether it's the division or the wild card. Just play consistent baseball. And I think we can cut that deficit a little bit and then see what happens. Larry, let me ask you a question as far as the starting pitching has been excellent, I think, you know, at least five, six, seven innings. How tough is it mentally for a Knoll or a Wheeler to give up that one run in four or five, six innings and all of a sudden maybe leave with a two or three run lead and lose a lead in the bullpen consistently? So, I mean, the, any, the guy doesn't know about the contract, how many wins are based on incentives and so forth. It's got to be tough mentally for a young man like Nola. Yeah, it is. I mean, it weighs on you. You go out there and you pitch good. And, and my, my philosophy on that is if our offense does what, they're, what we think or we're, we are projecting them to do, uh, it's a lot easier pitching when you go out there in the fifth inning with a three- or four-run lead. And it seems like every time our starting pitchers, which they, you made a great point, they, I think our starting pitching has done a very good job. But you go out there and you know, hey, I can't make a mistake here. they got to have a little leeway, and I think if they can get those runs early for the starting pitching, that you can stretch them out a little bit and take them to the sixth, seventh inning. It, it's hard to, to win baseball games when you use relievers 12 to 15 outs every day. If somebody, when you go to that many relievers, somebody's not going to have their A1 stuff and they're going to give up runs. That's why if you can minimize that and cut that, ideally it'd be nice if you could get six or seven outs out of that bullpen. 
but we're at times we've been get trying to get 12 to 15 outs and that's very difficult to do every single day and you know what's tough Bo, too a lot of walks in there and i mean i know a Yep. It just when when your reliever comes in and walks that first batter, it just seems to change. It changes the whole outlook on things, you know, as far as the the positioning of the in the fielders and possible, you know, it, yeah, it just, I, it's it's tough to watch. Put it that way. Yeah, I think everything's magnified when you start walking guys, especially relievers when they come in. Usually the game's tied or you're up one or down one, and uh, you can't keep putting traffic out there on the base path uh, and. Uh, it, the mentality of a reliever should be strike one, you know. And and right now, there's times where our relievers have come in and done tremendous, and there's also times where they've come in and things have gone uh, sideways. They have to get consistent. I, I think the, the if I had to use one word of why we are where we are, it's inconsistency at all aspects of the game. And <clears throat> until we start getting consistent play out of all facets of it then we're going to continue to have problems. But I think if we can be consistent and go out there and not give out the way, make plays you're supposed to make. I, I could care less about great plays. You know, you can count on two hands of great plays you make. But when you when you get that routine ground ball or routine double play ball, you got to make that play. That's why they call it the big leap. you got to make that play. You can't run into outs. You can't do bad base running when you're down four runs. These are all little things that add up to a, a lot of big things. And until we start improving on that, you know, we're going to have a lot of ups and downs. And like you said before, Larry, I'm a big proponent. I mean, I ran a lot of ball clubs way back and so forth. And mental mistakes, you can't t- – if they're, they're physical mistakes, you eventually maybe have to replace that player or bring somebody up in the minors if it's in the majors. But the mental mistakes just blow your mind because you figure somewhere along the way uh, – these people should have been taught all these fundamental things. I mean, I see high school kids that are a lot more well-versed, shall we say, in some of these decisions. Now, let me let me throw this at you. To play with Hoskins a few games ago, first and third, no out, the ball hit to him. He did a little bit of a look at, at third, then he threw to second, pulled Camargo off. Camargo threw home, off balance, didn't get the out at second, no, and all of a sudden you come up with a play, you get nobody. Now, I was from the old mindset that no matter what position you had on the field, your mindset should be, what am I going to do if this ball is hit to me the next pitch? Now, maybe that sounds too dramatic or so, but uh, and I think if maybe he just looked at third a tiny bit. Hold on. we we got to jump in here real quick. This is this is breaking news that just came through. But, Bo, uh, Joe, Joe Girardi just got fired here. This is a minute old here. Um, he's He is out. Initial reaction, but this just came through seconds ago. What what are, what are your thoughts here? Well, obviously, with <clears throat> when things go bad, you know the manager's going to take take the heat, and uh, you know jo- Joe's a good guy, and, and and he said a lot of success in New York, and things just didn't work out here. But you know that that old saying is it's easier to fire one guy as opposed to twenty five guys. So, and I'm sure Dave uh, put together this team, and he felt that uh, we weren't doing what we thought we were going to do and again I, I don't like to see anybody get fired and and hopefully uh from what i understand uh, uh rob thompson's going to take over i know rob very well he's a great baseball guy so uh, you know sometimes change helps sometimes it doesn't help and uh i don't know you know we, we, it's just going to take a little while to see if it actually means anything i i do know that rob knowing him for a while that uh you know, we've talked baseball a lot, and he likes guys to have roles down that bullpen and that. So maybe he can solidify that a little bit. But we got to see how this plays out. But, you know, the, the rumors have been flying. And, and when you're a manager, and, and Joe's been very professional, he's never thrown anybody under the bus. Uh, you know, you, like I said, I don't like to see anybody get fired. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he had a, a great time with, with the Yankees. But, Bo, did you know this was coming here today? No, you know, you hear rumors and that, but you don't, you don't, nothing was etched in stone, you know. But I mean, I, I put it this way if Joe continued, it wouldn't have shocked me. If he got, if he got fired, it wouldn't have shocked yeah. me. So, well, yeah, but, it looks like, uh, it looks like bench coach Rob uh, Thompson here is going to be taking over as, you know, the temporary manager here. Um, and it, it, it is a tough spot, certainly for him and all, all the players and, and all the coaching staff, yourself included, to kind of, you know, work through this. So 
It's going to well, be. Well, you know what? I think sometimes, initially, uh, when something like this happens, you know, it, it, it. I don't know. I don't want to say it gives life to a new team, but it gives a different voice, and maybe that might help. Uh, we still got to go out there and play. We still got to go out there and be consistent. It doesn't matter who the manager is. You, you have to play consistent baseball, and, and you know what? You have to take responsibility. Players have to take responsibility. They have to, you know, you get up in the morning, you look in the mirror, and you say, "Am I doing what I'm supposed to do?" I think that's important. Uh, you know, it's easy to say, "Oh, get rid of the manager, get rid of this coach, get rid of that guy." You know, do your job and take responsibility of what you signed up for. I mean, we got guys making a lot of money, and up until this point, uh, it, it hasn't planned out very well for our baseball team. So, I think it, it, it's a combination of they need to be responsible for their actions also. Sure, sure. And on that note, you know, we're sitting here early June. Nothing, you know, no crazy move, player moves are being done at this time. But if we're sitting here mid-July, I mean, right now the Phillies are projecting to be a 70-win team. And and earlier in the, in the spring training, I know you, you said this team would, pro, you said they could go advance deep into the postseason. And I get the the fact that it's early and all that stuff, but... Um, from what we're seeing, it, it's well, it's a long shot that they're actually going to turn this thing around. If we're sitting here in mid-July, we only have a, maybe a few good years left with Harper in these elite-level talent. But do, do, do the Phillies have to go into a selling mentality late July if this thing isn't turned around by then? Oh, if it's not turned around, but I don't. I I believe it's going to be turned. I, this team's not a seventy-win team. <laughs> if, if that's only the amount of wins we get, then we're we are we have a lot of issues. This team's better than seventy wins, and I still believe with the extra wild card that again, it's a matter of playing consistent baseball. This is a game. You don't play once a week. You don't play twice. You play every day and you got to bring it every single day. You know, if you lose a game on Monday, Tuesday, you got to wipe the slate clean and say, what can I do to help this team win today? And until we start playing consistent baseball, I said, we're going to, we're going to have ups and downs, but I really believe this team is capable. 70 wins to me would be, that would be a failure for me. I mean, it's not even. I'm not making moves or anything like that. And I'm sure Dave looks at this team and says we're better than 70. I really believe we're better than 70 wins. And uh, you know, we got to start tonight. We're playing a team tonight that's really struggling. You know, we're playing the Angels. They've lost eight in a row, I think. And uh, and I, our schedule. There's no such thing as easy part of the schedule. You know, uh, someone told me it's oh you're playing this team here, you're playing that team there. It's not who you play, it's when you play them, how they're playing. You know, I've I, I seen Pittsburgh go in and sweep the Dodgers just recently. So it's a matter of when you're playing these teams. And uh, that's the, the, the attitude we got to have. Because you're playing a Pittsburgh or because you're playing the Chicago Cubs or Cincinnati, you got to approach the game like you're playing the, one of the elite teams. Because if you start taking teams for granted, those teams are capable of coming up and beating you. So. Larry, Again. let me interrupt for a second, if I may. You're talking about the word consistent. Losing Segura for three months, and he if you're going to use Mr. Consistency in that lineup, he would be my first choice. Yeah, because Segura does a lot of things, you know, does a lot of things well. Uh, and, uh, you know, having that, line, uh, that bat out of the lineup and defensively, and he runs the base as well, there's no question. But, again, you know, this is giving an opportunity to somebody, whether it's Maton, whether it's uh, Scott, whether it, you know Camargo, whoever they throw out there, and, you know it seems like Didi's getting close to coming back, so I'm sure he'll be a shortstop. So you you, you still have options there with with Stott, Camargo, and Maton. Again, that's going to be up to the new manager who he wants to play. But it's not like oh god, we don't have anybody to play out there. We have some guys. Now, are we going to miss a guy like Segura? No question. No question. I mean, you take a bat like that out of the lineup. He handles the bat. He's a good situational hitter. But you know what? Stuff happens. And, and we can't go woe is me because the Mets, the Mets got three starting pitchers that are not even pitching. So I, I don't want to hear, oh, you lost this guy. You like, hey, you got to pick it up. You got to pick it up. Let me ask you this. When Didi comes back and maybe uh, you give Maton and platoon him maybe with Camargo at second base, Stotts has only had 78 at-bats at AAA. How's his mentality right about now? I mean, for the great spring he had, but he just looks a little overmatched a lot of times. You think they should send him down here and and probably get his confidence back a little bit? Well, again, that's going to be a decision made by the front office. But I watched Scott play. I've talked to this kid. This kid's going to be a, a, a good player. And, you know, whenever you have a kid come up and he's not playing every day and he's on the bench, 
if that's the situation, then I would say, yeah, you, you should send him down. But, you go, you know, Rob might come in and say, hey, Scott, you're going to be the second baseman. And that means a lot. I mean, I remember when I I came up in 70, and Frank Casey, who I played for in AA and AAA, was our manager. And I was playing bad baseball, I mean, as far as offense was concerned. And he called me in that day and said, hey, you're the shortstop. I don't care if you get another hit the rest of the year. And that did wonders for me. I mean, I, I'm sitting there saying, I got a rookie manager telling me this. And it's time for me to, you know, start putting up or shut up. And it worked for me, you know. And I think confidence is huge in the big league, especially when you're a young kid coming up. But I, I think this kid's got all the attributes to be a good player. Uh, and, again, I think that uh, I think that they're going to if, – if, in my opinion, I think if they're not going to play him, I think they would send him down. But if they're going to play him, hey, let him go out there and play and see what happens. Well, the one thing that I know is a, is a sore subject in all the Phillies' eyes is our middle infield. I mean, look what happened with Scott Kingroom when he came up. And uh, you know, you got to wonder. I mean, it's too early to say anything like that with Stott. But, it's look, it's in the back of our minds for sure. But So on, on this note here, Segura's out. He's a, a really big missing piece in this in this lineup. Right. Is there any any inclination or any suggestion maybe the Phillies look elsewhere than the current you know team and the and the minors like some look take a Cesar Hernandez for example he's hitting 280 this year he leads the league in games played appearances he's having a good year better than his career numbers suggest any chance the Phillies look at this guy he's only only being making four million could you maybe get him for a minor leaguer bring him in to try to help turn it around he knows the culture he knows the clubhouse. Any thoughts on something like that? You know, again, that's going to be up to Dave and, and Sam Fold. You know, Cesar uh, has been one of my my uh, pet peeve guys. Uh, I, I, we had a lot of tough love conversations, and, and you know, he wanted a Gold Glove. And the first guy he called was me, and uh, I love Cesar Hernandez. But you know, that's going to be a decision made by people that are higher up than I am. And, and you know, I think right now. I don't think you're going to – this is my opinion now. I don't think you're going to see any trades or anything. I think you're going to let this thing play out a little bit and see whoever they give the opportunity to play second base. If they if they reach out and do what they're supposed to do, then we're going to be all right. And if they continue to flounder, then I'm sure that Dave and Sam Foles will look in, in other directions. But right now, I think they're going to go with what we have, and uh, that's just my opinion. And, and hopefully that – with a new manager and a different voice, you know, it might lead to some positive vibes in the clubhouse. Larry, if I could go back to when you got the news as far as Joe being fired, we were in the middle of the conversation with the play with Hoskins where he sort of was indecisive and they wind up getting no outs on that play. And I think you agree with me that everybody out in that field should be in their mindset, if the ball's hit to me, where am I going? And that type of thing to be mentally prepared. And every, I think maybe, every pitch, every uh, pitch you do that, you go over every yeah. scenario. Who's third? How fast is he? Who's hitting the ball? Who's on third base? You, you go, but you don't just do it once. You do it on every pitch. You change it. The count changes. You say, okay, maybe this guy's running on this pitch. What do I do? Do I freeze the guy at third base? So, I don't know. I, I just think that they, that that mindset has got to prevail on every pitch, not just oh, this guy's in the box. This is what I'm going to do. That's not how it goes. You know, you got to, everything changes on pitch, on counts, on score, who's coming up. And if you're not mentally in, in, in engaged in that, then you're going to get caught off, off balance on stuff like that. But it was like a comedy of errors. I mean, when he did it, it threw an off, well, he looked at third base, then he threw an off balance throw to second to pull Camargo off. That makes Camargo off balance to throw home, and it looked like a Chinese fire drill type situation where. And you didn't get an out anywhere. And the object's got to be, even if things don't go right, you have to get an out somewhere in that play. Well, well you do. And the thought process, I, I'm going over that play and I was watching it. The thought process worked. He froze the runner at third. And then that little hesitation, the throw to second, is what created the whole problem. It, it brought Camargo off the bag and he caught the ball off balance and he saw the guy go from third to home and he, his throw was wide. Uh the thought process was there, but the execution wasn't. All right, so the Phillies bullpen, clearly it, it needs some help. Now let's look at a guy like Mark Appel. He's 30 years old. You know, he's old for the minors. He's in AAA. His career numbers, though, they're not good. He's got about a 5 ERA. And, again, this is all minors here. 
But currently this year, he has a 2.11 ERA in 21 innings. Is this a guy that we should be seeing soon? And what's the risk-reward trade-off? I mean, we let him build his confidence up, but also potentially fill a big gap in this bullpen right now, and he's performing really well this year. Personally, I think the arms down in our bullpen right now are very capable of doing what they're supposed to do. This is me again talking. I think they need to have defined roles. If they can have defined roles when that phone rings, they know, hey, okay, this is my inning. Or if that happens, I think you have enough arms down there. Sir Anthony, to me, has closer stuff. And uh, I know Knable had a couple blown saves. And I think knowing uh, Rob the way I know him, I think he's going to try to solidify the bullpen as far as this is your role, this inning, this inning, this inning. And I think that's going to help a lot. You know, baseball players are creatures of habit. They like to know what inning they're going to pitch. They like to know where they're hitting in the lineup. They want like to know who's hitting in front of them, who's hitting behind them. And if we can sort of solidify that a little bit, I think the arms down there, there's enough arms down there. But you mentioned a guy like uh, LaPel. You know, half game. Some guys mature late. And I watched him at, uh, when I went to Lehigh, he threw the ball very well. Uh, I, I don't think that we're going to make, again, this is just me speculating. I think they're going to let this thing play out a little bit and see how Rob handles the bullpen down there and see if it changes anything. Uh, and then, obviously, if it continues to, to spiral downward, he, there's a guy that could possibly get uh, a, a promotion and pitch out of the bullpen. How much was an issue with pitcher roles? How much of that do you put on Girardi with the no three-day thing and, and, and you don't know who's coming up to pitch next? I mean, how hard is it for pitchers to get in the mentality when, when the coach didn't even explain, or at least to the public, what was going on half the time? Well, Joe, Joe's always been adamant about, I don't like the, uh, he's seen a lot of guys get hurt. I mean, that was just his philosophy, and that's why maybe a change of, of, of manager's uh, philosophy might, might uh, change the attitude down there. I mean, if you ask a pitcher normally, can you pitch today? Most of them are going to say, I can pitch every day. And, you know, Joe uh, cautioned on the side of, of protecting guys, which, you know, I respect that. And uh, But on the other hand, you get to a situation where if a guy's only throwing 11, 12 pitches uh, and and you don't use them the next day, you know, again, that's the manager's decision. So I know when I've managed, yeah, I'd, I'd ride the hot hand and I, I always ask the guy, hey, what do you got? He says, I'm good. Then I'm, I'm all on board with it. And I'm sure Joe communicated, and those guys knew what, where Joe was coming from. There's no question about that. No, it's it's a it's a crazy trade off when you when you look last year. You know when we had when when, when with Mitch Mitch Williams here. I mean Mitch was a, now I don't think Mitch was the Norman he was playing. He obviously had a crazy good work ethic, but Mitch would say he warm up every day. He'd be ready every day. All the stuff you're mentioning. Yeah, he would throw long every day. I watched it. Uh, I watched Tug McGraw do the same thing. Those guys like to throw. You know, they want the ball. They want the ball in the ninth inning. I was going so, to say to you, Bo, that Leo Mazzoni, with all those great pitching staff at Atlanta, they threw long ball every day, long toss. I had a guy, and I know you guys have watched him pitch, and he probably brought you to your seat every night, but he took the ball every day as, as Jose Mesa. Jose Mesa wanted to pitch every single day. He did a great job for me. But were they one, two, three innings? No, but he got out of them. Just like Mitch. They weren't one, two, three innings. But those guys... As long as their mentality is give me the ball and you believe in them and you trust them, I think that's the bottom line. Oh, yeah, there's a lot bigger mentality coming in in the eighth inning or coming in the ninth inning. I'm a firm believer. In there's that. no question. you got the ninth inning, there's no safety net. And there's then you'd be surprised that guys would do a tremendous job in the seventh and eighth inning, and then you say, okay, maybe we're going to let them close, and it doesn't work. So there is a mentality that that people don't understand in that ninth inning and as you said uh, many times you better have amnesia if you blow a save on monday you better be ready to go on tuesday and and that's what i think that so many phillies in in the past really did well and you look at the mentality like a guy like a mitch williams and the brad lidge is you know that, that have done well it's like they had those killer mentalities when they were coming in i genuinely believe that they in like in really made the other team fearful when when they came in the game, whether it's the music, the way they look, how they get you know pumped up for it, and I just don't know if we see that in this bullpen that have that killer killer mentality to go out there and say this is my game, I got it, give me the ball. 
I don't know. It's a different world we live in now. The guys, they're they're a little, they're maybe going along with it more. But it's just an interesting dynamic. Where, where I'm not seeing that mentality in in the bullpen. And look, that's I don't know if that's going to change or not. But all right. So the, well, we're going to find out. We're going to find out because I think in this again, I think that they're going to have some defined roles down there. And we're going to see what happens. Larry, can I change the subject with you for a second here? Yeah. Do we have anybody that even resembles being a leadoff hitter? Well, we 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 do, but they're still a ways away. I mean, this kid Rojas got some tools, but he's not doing very well. I went and watched him play. Uh, you you'd, you'd like to have speed and a guy that's a little bit disciplined at the plate. You you know the leadoff hitter. It's not like it was back in the day, you know. Uh, you're not having Ricky Henderson where they get 100 walks and and uh, score 100 runs and steal 50 or 60 bases. The prototypical leadoff hitter now. Some some managers like to have a guy that can hit it out of the ballpark. Some guys like on base guy. Uh, but that's an area where we have to definitely try to put somebody at the top there that we feel that can do that job. And and we've been flip flopping a lot of players, different players. Uh, you'd like to have a little speed up there where a guy can score from first on a double. But right now, it's going to be a matter of, uh, you know, who the new manager wants to put up there. But right, there's some kids down in the minor leagues that, that to me, are capable or, 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 or projected to be leadoff hitters. Uh, but we got to, there's still a long way between A ball and the big leagues. I got to see more. I got to see more kids. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think there's some really good points there. And that, I actually had two questions left, and, and kind of the lineup was one of it. So now, now since we're, we're going into that, back when Segura was healthy, and Bo, if you go back and listen to any one of our podcasts this year, the, we, we do a rant at the end of our show, and I usually add it in at the beginning of the show because I'm so passionate about this. But Kyle Schwarber batting leadoff, in, in my opinion, is the single biggest mistake the Phillies have made this year. And let me back it up first. First, he's hitting. He has a career a career batting average of two sixteen batting first. Now, Kyle Schwarber is something like 6'3", 240 pounds. I mean, the guy is a, is is a, is really a unit. He's a career two seventy five hitter with a nine forty OPS batting fourth. Those are amazing numbers. He's leading the teams in home runs this year. He's clearly the power hitter on the team. And then we have Segura, who hits lefties and righties, is fast. He's a better average NOBP than Hoskins. Or Schwarber, who have batted leadoff in him this time this year, but game in and game out, it's been Schwarber or Hoskins in the leadoff role. And for the life of me, I cannot understand why when you none of the numbers support it. Yeah, I you know I, I I'm a uh, when I when if when I fool around and, and and write lineups down, you know I I mess around sometimes. Uh, Segura was the guy that I would I would put up there, and and I you know. Like you said, those numbers don't lie, and and Schwarber is to me is a middle of the lineup type guy that's going to drive in runs and get you big home runs late in the game. Uh, again, you know, and I know I know for a fact that they've talked to to uh, Segura about that, and and Segura would prefer to hit second. And you know, sometimes what you prefer to do and what we ask you to do should be you know what's good for the team. But to to me, Segura would have been a a perfect guy to put up there, and because uh, he handles the bat so well, he, he runs the bases good. He can steal your bag. He can score from first on a double. He works pitchers. Um, and he just, to me, with the with the the way we are we are aligned right now, he would be the guy that that if I was managing, I would put him at the top. But again, these are managerial choices, and I'm sure they've had conversations with different guys and say, hey, "What do you think about this?" I don't think managers today say I could care less what the player thinks. You know, the players are very much involved in, hey, I feel comfortable doing this. I feel comfortable doing that. And as a manager or coaching staff, you got to try to you got to try to make these guys feel as comfortable as you can when the game starts. And so again, this is an issue that's been been with us for a while, as far as the leadoff man's concerned. Now, now I would I would bet, and just just a, a hunch here, that when Kyle Schwarber was twelve. 13 years old he was probably batting third or fourth given his size I mean he's a big boy he's a strong guy out there and I'm sure he was hitting him a very long way back in those days the bottom line what I'm saying here is I think he's comfortable in that four spot and if he's average is so bad maybe the five spot but clearly I mean 
he got he has to hit these home runs with guys on base. If you can have Harper in front of him, it's a big difference. Two runs versus one there. I mean, a lot of his home runs are solo home runs this year. Yeah, you know, and I and I, I think you know what what happens is sometimes we we get caught up in, uh, you know, the pitcher has to pitch to three hitters, <clears throat> and we get caught up. Oh, we don't want two lefties together. But you know what? When these guys both hit, I know right now Schwartz not hitting very good against lefties. But when they're on fire, there, I don't think it matters to them. You know, I I, I really don't. And I guess the the analytic people think that if you put them together, you're making it easy for the other manager. But hey, uh, you know, I, you you could do a a, a and I think that the one guy to me that this is me speaking right now. I think the one guy that can help change this whole lineup around would be Real Muto. If Real Muto could get hot, and you could put him in between uh, uh, Schwarber and 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 uh, Hart. That would really, really ease this lineup a little bit. You know, right now, uh, I, JT will be the first to tell you he's not swinging the way he's capable of. But I, I really believe he's going to put things together and be where he's supposed to be. But if you get those three hitters where they're swinging good and taking their walks, that would really uh, lengthen this lineup a lot. Yeah, I think, Larry, if we were t- having this talk last year or year before, as far as Mr. Consistency, it probably would have been very Mulo. Yep. Yeah, this year he's had, he started off slow, no question. He'll, and he's not a guy that makes excuses. He'll tell you that. But I, I expect him to start swinging it the way he's capable of. I certainly hope so. I read something about a week ago that really, well, solidified what I might have thought, that Hoskins is leading the major leagues in called strike threes. <laughs> That's a depressing stat for a leadoff man. Yeah, I don't think Hoskins, again, I don't I, I don't. I, I don't like seeing Hoss hit first, but uh, he's another guy. When he gets hot, man, he can carry you. Uh, I, so, I you never know. saw anyone hotter when he came up at first. Oh month my god! That one year. I think he set some rookie records that year. Well, in the, le- in the last couple of years, he's had streaks where we can't get him out. But and on the other hand, one, if he can, if he can sort of minimize those slumps a little bit, you know, where you, instead of going uh, one for twenty, maybe go three for twenty or four for twenty with some walks. That would help him out a lot. But when he goes cold, he goes cold. And when he's hot, man, you can ride him for a while. Yeah, and another thing, when he's behind that count, 0-2, and 1-2, and they get him on that outside slider, and he's got to go the other way a lot more, I would think. Yeah, when he's hitting the ball the other way, he's a much better hitter. No real question about that. You know, but there, there's two last questions I have for you. One's a quick one. You don't even really have to address it if you want, but it wasn't on my sheet today, but you brought up the analytics guys in baseball, and you know, look, we, you've been calling in about a year now. You can probably tell from our mindset we're pretty big into that data. Yet, I sit here and study this data, and I draw the opposite conclusions that these analytics guys do. Now, I'm not going to sit here and proclaim that I know more than these guys because I don't believe I do. I'm sure they're paid very well. But I have a hunch, something that I can't really prove, that there is an overemphasis on what the analytics guys are saying. What I mean by that, guys who are gifted, skilled, or guys or girls with these computers and the data inputs that they do, but that don't truly, at the end of the day, have the fundamental understanding of baseball to make it work. It's one thing to say, oh, I don't want to do lefty-lefty back-to-back. But maybe they're not considering the impact of having a leadoff hitter that strikes out more than anyone else in baseball does when he turns the lineup over late in the game. Is how involved or, or, or up to date are you with this analytics team? There, how I mean, how many people are working on this thing? It just seems like they they know the numbers but don't understand baseball and how to make it gel properly. And that's not just the Phillies. I'm talking all of baseball. It seems like what we're seeing. I think you're right. You're dead on. I think you're dead on. I, I just think, you know, it, it's not one size fits all. You don't throw this stuff in a computer and say, okay, we're going to win tonight because this is what the the numbers say. Uh, you got you got to have a gut feeling. You got to watch your ball club. Uh, are, are they playing good right? Now? Is this guy swinging good right now? This, baseball changes from day to day, pitch to pitch, inning to inning, uh, and, and a computer does not uh, take this into consideration. Hey, I, I respect what they do. They put in a lot of time. They put in a lot of hard work. But to me, there's a lot of overkill in this. And uh, baseball, it, it go back to when it, back to when it all began. 
it's a game of gut. It's a game of if who's hot, who's not, who's pitching against you, who's coming in, who's pitching for you. There's so many other variables that I don't think they look into. But again, they, they're getting paid a lot of money. And, uh, hey, that, that's the way it is. And, but I agree with your, your observation there. I, I think that and, unless you've been on that field and, and you've witnessed it and you've gone through it, there's, there's some variables there that they don't take exactly. into consideration. Exactly. And, and, and you know, I didn't play, you know, Major League Baseball, obviously, or anything like that. But, you know, you, you play the game enough, you play for, you know, two decades, you understand the nuances, of course. And it's just like, it seems like like, like they don't. And the, at the end of the day, those computer modelings, they're only as good as the inputs that they put into them. If those inputs are off by a little bit, then the, it's not the computer's fault. It's going to give you bad data. And I don't know if there's a combination of that, but look, I mean, we'll see. And hopefully they're turning around. The The, the very last well, I thing... Think- if, if, if you ever, if you can ever balance this out with your gut, your eye, and make it be fifty-fifty and not ninety-ten, uh, I think you're going to see progress you know, on both ends. You know, like I said, there's a lot of good stuff in analytics, but there's a lot of overkill in analytics. And, and I, I'm a believer, especially down in low A, don't give these guys any. Let these guys play. Find out who your prospects are. Let them learn how to read swings at shortstop. Let them play count. Let them do all this on their own. They're, we are taking responsibility away from all these kids, and it, we're, it's basically giving them a crutch. Well, you told me to play here. You know, learn how to swing. If you're a middle infielder, learn how to – this guy's throwing 95. The guy's swinging late on every pitch. Why would you play a guy to pull even though the chart says play this guy to pull? You see your pitcher's got extra stuff that day. Read the swing. The swing's going to tell you how to play. The swing's going to tell you I better – cheat a little bit towards the middle of the dimer or maybe this guy's out in front of everything i'm going to play him a little bit to pull there, there's there, like i said there's so many value variables that, that, that a lot of people don't understand that. exactly and bo if you do one thing please go back and listen to one of our episodes on the shift data we did a whole thing on shifts and i'll just say this real short because i know we're running out of time here if the shifts let's assume the shifts get banned next year based on the the performance that happened when they tested this and i think it was double a last year and the data, I'm telling you, shifts are not going to make a big difference in this game. The strikeouts are a huge reason. The shifts, there's just as many fluke hits as there are, you know, the Ryan Howard's hitting a line drive into the right center gap that's caught. It's it's going to offset. I saw, I saw that. I saw the, that data, and the, the, it was very minimal uh, without the shift. Exactly. I agree. Yeah. All right, the, the very last thing we have, and we really appreciate your time here, Bo. It's, it's been fantastic. And th- this may go back to Girardi. It may go back to the analytics. It may be a combination. And it may be a little diluted now that Girardi's out. But in Tuesday's game against the Giants, it's the 11th inning. Jock Peterson comes up, two outs, man on second base, and first base open. For some reason, the Phillies decided to pitch to him. Now, Jock leads the team in OPS, and he hits a death blow. He hit a home run. He crushed it. On deck was Tommy LaStella, who's considerably worse than Jock in every category. But Girardi pitched to this guy. I mean, is there any, can you, you know, maybe some shed light on that? Why did we pitch to Jock with first base open and Jock being better in every, every single category? You know, again, that's, that's a managerial decision. But, but I will say this. If you look at uh, Jock Peterson's track record, he comes up big late in games. And, uh, you know... <laughs> Again, I, I I would much rather at that time have Lestella beat me. And, you know, maybe Joe had a, a gut that that pitcher could get him out. Uh, you know, these are, these are managerial decisions that uh, when you're in the heat of the moment, I'm sure he went over that. I'm sure they talked about it. And he said, well, you know what, I'm going to take my chances here and it backfired. But, he, and, you know, if he gets him out, nobody says anything, but he hit one. He not only hit one, he hit one way out. And... Uh, but but I, I'm looking at a track record, and if he's successful late in games off good pitching, you know I probably would have leaned the other way. Larry, let me end with this. I'm the old guy that came up to you at the Philadelphia Sports Writers Banquet a few weeks back and just said hello before everything started. And, and I just want to tell you, I really enjoyed the stories. And I was just sitting here thinking we're talking about fundamentals. How would Dallas Green have managed a team like that this year without smacking somebody or having an attack or something? Uh, he, he, <laughs> there's no question about that. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Bo. It's it's been really a pleasure having you back on for the extended time. I mean, we could, couldn't have planned the timing better with the news on Girardi coming out. Again, we do wish Joe the best. He's certainly a good guy and and has a good track yeah, record. Um, so wherever he guy. ends up, whether he stays in baseball or takes some time, we really wish him the best. And we really thank you so much for coming on today and hope the Phillies have a, a great a great uh, weekend. It's certainly going to be at least an enjoyable series with Trout and Otani coming in. Thanks, Bo. Appreciate it. Okay, guys. Take care. All right. See you later, Bo. You know, Coach, I really think that was a great conversation we've had with Bo. Maybe, maybe one of the best. I mean, it was it, it was awesome. He was he was very transparent and, and really detailed on what he was saying. Well, it was ironic. A few things I had written down in the course of conversation, he covered, went right. through as far as the different the mental mistakes and so forth like that. So it was it blended in fairly well together. I thought. Yeah. And I and I knew he was going to agree with you with a couple of things. And he, and you know, he's not committed a lot of the times, but he was right there with a couple of your subjects, big time. Yeah. Hey, it looks look this, for the speaking of sports fan base. I mean, you guys heard it here. Bo thinks Segura should be a leadoff hitter. Well, at least at the time. Now he's injured, unfortunately. Hopefully Segura comes back. I think he's out. He's out for a while. Uh, that's a tough loss. So look, the Phillies are in a tough spot right now. I know Bo has a lot of confidence in them in them bouncing back. Um, the unfortunate reality is that this team, to really make the postseason, they're probably going to have to play 20 games over 500 the rest of the year. I mean, that's going to they're they're currently you know, what are they? Uh, seven games under 500. So to play really 20 over is going to finish them. You know, about 87 wins or so. That that's going to be re- really challenging. I mean, that's gonna be that'd be pretty impressive baseball. But look, it's possible. Who knows? Unlikely, but. All right, why don't we go to the rants here? Coach, why don't you start us off? I think I did some of my rants today with conversation, whatever, but especially now with the Girardi thing, we don't have that to complain about. Now we're going to see how much it was him and how much it's lack of talent or a combination of both. So uh, I think I'll save my rant on that as soon as we see some production uh, with the interim manager and uh, what else comes out of it. Yeah. Well, look, well, I, I certainly hope, and you're right, and – We'll see. I guess it's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting. If I had to rant today, it'd probably be again. I've been ranting on the Phillies, their lineup, on Joe for for weeks now. So the whole thing with Joe Girardi, the, the, this whole year, the lineup's been wrong. The, the the defense hasn't been there. That's not really on him. But the decisions he's made with the bullpen, it's all been just bad. So I'm happy he is gone. He really needed to go, and hopefully this brings some life to the Phillies lineup. But I hope you guys enjoyed this, and we hope everyone has uh, has a great day. And uh, thank you so much.